This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor. Resolutely, once again, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just kind of so far so good on 2024. I'm feeling pretty (laughs) good about the new year and excited. And yeah, resolutions is always a tricky thing. I I think the kind we'll talk about today is about my speed. But other than that, I tend to be a little (laughs) skeptical of the whole new year, new me (laughs) thing. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not the best at resolutions, though we did. My wife and I got um, some planners today. I do like planners. Yeah. Like I like I love the act of of looking forward and I love the act of looking back um, at the end of the year. We wanted to go back through with our kids mm-hmm. the various things we did this year rather than just looking forward to 2024. Let's now look back and see the the good things, the hard things, the fun things, the you know, trials or whatever that we went through in 2023. And it was a lot of, it was a really good experience. It wasn't like we made it an event or anything. We were just like probably over dinner. Yeah. And then the act of looking forward, uh, it is fun. I'm not good at the normal, the normal resolutions, but I do love thinking, okay, there's a whole year of potential for reading here in front of us. What are we going to be able to do? So that's what we're going to do again today, listeners. We've got kind of two parts to this episode. Uh, One, just a general gab fest about 2024 reading hopes, dreams, intentions, plans, goals, whatever you want to call them. And then we also each put together a little list of books that are coming out in 2024 that we're really looking forward to. I I did tell Paul we need to... We, we we can't make that list so that it's just you know 500 books which right. we well we could we could do that but it probably Easily. wouldn't be that helpful so we are limiting i think to 5 each i think that's the plan yeah we'll see how and, it actually goes in reality though at the end we decided for those who want it let's then just you know talk about a few the or, or list a few of the others you know make me work for the show notes Make okay. me make me earn my keep here with the show notes. <laughs> we need to for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too carried away, it is our first episode in January, and Paul has a giveaway opportunity that is uh, very timely for the month. Paul, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Or yeah, absolutely. So I was fortunate enough to end up with an extra copy of a book that I have just recently read. And if I'm not mistaken, it's one that you read recently Mm -hmm. as well. And that is January by Sarah Gallardo, translated from Spanish by Francis Riddle and Maureen Shaughnessy. And that's one of those lovely little archipelago books that we talk about so often. Um, So yeah, we have an extra copy of that. And I would be happy to give it away to one of our listeners. So if you want to just send us in an email or reach out to us on social media, and just let us know that you're interested. We will do our usual thing and, and put your name in a hat and come up with a winner. So, yeah, I mean, Trevor, I, like I said, I know you read it recently and I did too. I think it's, a, it's just a wonderful little book. Oh. Powerful, mm-hmm. um, you know, important because it's very much a feminist book talking about some very important subjects around, you know, a woman's body and, and their right to their body and, and you know, sexual assault. And I mean, it's, it's tough subject matter, but it's done in a beautiful, um, 
way. I don't know. It's it's. <laughs> I found the same difficulty in writing about it as when we were doing the Scholastic Mukasanga books last yes, year. It's like these are beautiful, but how do you use that word to describe something so awful as at the same time? And is the beauty help or hinder? Like, does it get in the way of of that? Like, or am I admiring just the beauty of the book, or is the is it getting to me in other ways? But this is this is a powerful little book. It's uh, um, from 1958. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Gallardo is a is a you know I, I, I I'm saying all this because I know so much about her now that I've looked into her over right, the last right. uh, you know week or so. <laughs> yeah, I I had not heard of her, but she is a uh, it seems like a a famous Argentinian uh, writer, mm-hmm. kind of classic, and this is her debut novel. And one that, as I understand it, is is pretty central to Argentinian literature yeah. and was central to um, a lot of the feminist movement there. And to, you know, it is a book that uh, approaches the theme of, you know, the ideas of abortion mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the, the, the main character in this book is a is is a woman, but a young woman. She's 16 years old. Yeah. And um, it takes a little bit to to understand what has happened, but it is a book about sexual assault, and she is she is expecting. Mm-hmm. I think it might make sense to give a little bit of a of a of a, a look at the the writing as well. It's it's very ambiguous and a little circular around the main things, which perfectly represents how our narrator. Or she's not really the narrator, but the our you know, very close <laughs> uh, third person protagonist Nefer um, is thinking about these things. And here's the, the start of the book. It says, they talk about the harvest, but they don't know that by then there'll be no turning back, Nefer thinks. Everyone here and everywhere else will know by then, and they won't be able to stop talking about it. Her eyes cloud with worry. She slowly lowers her head and herds a small flock of crumbs across the worn oilcloth. Her father mentions the harvest and then reaches for the tea towel used to wipe all the hands and mouths around the table. Her mother stands to pass it to him, stepping on the dog which yelps and takes refuge under the bench. As she walks, her shadow moves across those of the people seated around the table, held fixed on the walls by the light of a lantern. The day will come when my belly starts to show, Nefer thinks. The insects buzz, flutter, and fall as they hit the lantern. They climb back up the lantern's tin skirt, singe their wings, and fall back down again. No one pays any attention to her, still and silent in the corner, as they lean over their plates eating and listening to the occasional exchange between Don Pedro and the Turk, who slurps a spoonful of soup, still out of breath after unhitching his horses from the cart. I think that's a good introduction to the book. It's... She is always seems trying to be distracted, you know, paying attention to the light and the shapes and the sounds around her, while also having to deal with this constant anxiety of where she's at, and no one else knows at this time. And what is she going to do about it by the time of harvest? It'll, you know, it'll be too late, and everyone is going to know. You know, just this constant, constant, constant worry. Yeah, and her interior life as things go on around her and she's the only one who is dealing with this by herself. And so she's watching all these normal events go around and everybody else's life seems to be going on as normal. And yet she has this, you know, this constant secret that's bothering her. It's powerful stuff. Yeah, She can't imagine. I mean, 
and in, in of course it's it's also in many ways true but it's it's her life is all forever altered mm. and she just can't imagine a time when there's no more of this anxiety or or stress or anything like that but um yeah we'll have to do the drawing on that the next time that we come together mm-hmm. which would be saturday january 20th so listeners that gives you a little over a week to you know get us your entry Send us a, either, you know, I think, Paul, did you say a DM would do? Is that okay with yeah, you? Yeah, I think that works for me. Just, yeah, as long as you don't mind that, I think they can send a either DM or, or an email and we will yeah. gather those up. You can respond to the newsletter email that comes to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're looking forward to getting that into more hands. I will say, I didn't really know very much about this book. It's called January. And when I sat down, I was surprised to find myself, you know, in a really hot summer weather because this takes place in Argentina. <laughs> right. So, so if you're looking for this for a nice, you know, you know, lots of snow and fireplaces, that's not that kind of January. <laughs> good point. Very good point. But yeah, wonderful book. And I'm looking forward to sharing it with somebody. All right. Well, Paul, we did a little bit of a reflection in our last episodes about 2023 and I am very curious about your hopes and dreams or approach. You know, we're going to do this kind of a general conversation. You know, you may have particular books that you're wanting to read, or you may have more of a particular way you want to think about what books you want to read. I don't know, yeah. you know, but as you sat down to to think about plans or 2024 reading year for Paul, what what came to mind? What are some of the, the ways that you approached this? Yeah, it's funny because I was just saying how I'm not a big resolution person and it's true, but I would agree with you when it comes to reading, I really do enjoy it. And as we've said in previous years, for me, it's not about pressure or putting an assignment forward. It's just, like you said, a chance to kind of reflect and think. And I don't know, even something as silly as like keeping track of the books you read. It's like a fresh start to all of that. So yeah, I mean, I I did do a mix of both. I have some more specific books and and projects, but I also am thinking more in broad terms. Like, I don't know if we just want to jump right into it, but I mean, generally speaking, I think my, one of my main goals for this year is just to leave more room for chance and and serendipity in my reading. Um, As I mentioned in, it was one of our last couple episodes, looking back on my 2023 reading, in many years, it was not necessarily a representative year of reading for me. It was a wonderful year. And it was one where I tried some new things and, and took on some things that I hadn't done before, which have been just wonderful experiences. But in some ways that shaped my reading um, in ways that were a little different than normal. So it was a bit of an outlier. Um, like I said, I ended up joining several group reads, you know, the Joseph and his brothers read that I've mentioned several times. And then of course the Republic of Consciousness judging that I've been doing has, you know, put a, a, quite a few different books on my plate than maybe I would have normally gotten to, which has been wonderful. But um because I was exposed to so many of those wonderful books, it also did make me realize that like I was reading a lot of newer books and things like that. So, you know, just more structure, I would say last year than in a typical year for me. So this year, you know, I I just like to keep some space open for more, you know, rabbit trails and whims and that kind of thing. You know, just if I suddenly get the idea to, to read, you know, three books in a row by an author, just to have the space to do that. So you know, that's kind of a convoluted way of just saying, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more. It's funny because I say all that and then the rest of this conversation will be me like talking about specific books I want to read. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a chance to kind of like have a fresh slate. We've talked about there's that time where 
you finish a book and I know some people hate this, but I love it where you're looking at your shelves and it's just like, I could read anything on that shelf. And that's kind of how I'm feeling about 2024 is just this kind of freedom and excitement about all these books. I mean, I, I, in the past month, I've picked up like a billion new books, just those by themselves are exciting. And then looking at your backlist and all these other things. So yeah, that's one of my big things for the year. So you kind of mentioned that open space, even in your Twitter message last night about what, what are you reading over the weekend? You, you had one that you listed, but then you said, and the other, I don't know yet. Is that yeah. kind of what you mean? Like you, I love that moment too. When, when I saw that, I was thinking, Ooh, this is, this is nice. You know, mm-hmm. this will be, this will be fun. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. And, and I actually, it's funny, a couple of the books, as we start to talk about more specific things, tie directly into that message because one of the books that I'm reading right now is part of a group read. And then the other one that I just started last night after I sent that message is another part of a something that I have in the in the works for 2024, a little personal project. So Ooh, are you are, are you gonna are you gonna be able to share more on that or is that a per- personal in a way yeah, that no, you'll, no. you'll keep it close to your chest? Okay. No, I'll share. I just didn't know if we wanted to to take turns or if you want me just to dive right in and start sharing some of my more specific well, I guess let me respond to some of yeah. what you said already. I love that one of your big plans is to not have so many plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be a more like succinct that. way of saying it. Well, and it does make sense. You know, there have been years where I feel like my reading has become too regimented. And the, it, it really is nice to be able to stop and say, what do I want to read now? That mm-hmm. may sound crazy to some people, but I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who are also like, oh, I, I've been there. I, I know mm-hmm. what that what that feels like. And but one of the reasons why that worked so well for me is that's actually what helped me make plans to read big books I kept putting off because I didn't think they fit into my plans. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it does. Uh, so last year, because I had tried to give myself space, and again, I... I think that doing the NYRB Women 23 and having Kim set the schedule and thinking, oh, I, I don't, I actually don't need to spend a whole lot of time every day finishing these books because I'll be done in 15, 20 minutes and can c- certainly stop and think about it. But then I can read other things too. Mm-hmm. And that kind of revolutionized my whole reading approach to where I was no longer thinking, I need two months to read War and Peace. Yeah. I got to put everything else aside. Or when I've done things like that in the past, I get to where I'm like, oh, I don't want to keep, you know, I feel like I need to just push through war and peace. I got to keep reading it, but I'm only on page 450. I've got a thousand pages left, but there are all these other books coming in. Well, that helped me realize I can open up that space. Yeah. So I've been, I, I, I have not missed a day of reading war and peace since I started it on September 1st. And I, am really, 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 really enjoying that whole project, but it isn't, it also isn't getting in the way of anything else and nothing else is getting in the way of my reading it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm just really delighted by that kind of, uh, insight that I can read war and peace and the brothers Karamazov at the same time. And they're not getting in the way of each other where my old approach, they would have been because I would have been, well, no, I should finish this one right. and then get to that one. And so, no, I know there are people who are monogamous with their reading. Um, that makes sense to me too. I've never been that way, but I have always felt the pressure to 
to, to finish things quickly mm-hmm. or, you know, not maybe not quickly, but to not, if I'm reading something, that's the book I should read today. Yeah. I'll get to the others tomorrow. And, you know, that just, that just made it. So I had a lot of unread books yeah. and I still have a lot of unread books, but I am making my way through them. And, you know, because of that, I'm actually, you know, looking forward to some of the bigger projects that I, I wouldn't have probably jumped, jumped into if it weren't mm-hmm. for that insight in 2024, I've got several of those kind of lined up, yeah. you know, in my open plans as well. <laughs> I know that's the thing is, like I said, I, I do have open plans, but there it's just such a fun thing with all these people. You mentioned Kim's project. I mean, that will definitely be a big part of my year as well. And there's several others that are like that. And it's so funny because it's like somehow mixing into my idea to have more open reading are all these projects with other groups of people that I'm so excited about. So it's, it's an interesting blend, but I like what you said about, it's just taking that pressure off of yourself where even if you commit to a project, you know, we've done enough of these now where we know that it's very doable. You can do several of those and it doesn't mean that that's all of your reading. I think Mm -hmm. it's just so many people and probably, I mean, as much as I loved school, we've all talked about there's that where it starts to feel like assignments or like there are plenty of people that are listeners or friends of ours who work in the book industry or the publishing industry, and they can sometimes feel like books become part of work or an obligation. Like I have to read this before I can get to the books I really want to read. And I think it's just making sure that for us, this is more of a, a, you know, a passion and a pet project. So making sure that it doesn't ever creep into that where it starts to feel like an assignment. I think that's the the ongoing thing, which is Mm -hmm. so fun about this stuff that there's so many ways you can do it that don't feel that way. Any other general approaches to the year? I mean, it's funny. We had that whole conversation about marking up books. Like that, uh-huh. I don't know if that's completely related, but that that is ongoing. I, I am still, half of the books that I read have a bunch of flags yeah. sticking out. Half mm-hmm. of them have underlines. Actually, maybe not half and half because then there's probably another percentage that don't have anything. So it's not really necessarily like based on the year, but it's just one of those things like, like you said, it's a chance for reflection when you start a new year. And I'm still kind of just enjoying that experience of different ways to just slow down, not just buzz through a book, but like take time to pause and reflect, even if it's just grabbing a pencil and putting a star next to a passage or underlining it or grabbing your flags and just putting a little sticky so that when you finish the book or even five years down the road, you can just flip through it and find some of those passages. So that's just, you know, it's just that ongoing conversation I'm having with myself about ways to interact with books where it's not just a matter of like statistics or, you know, burning through these pages and another one done, put it on the pile, put it on the pile. You know, I don't want it to ever turn into that, which I think can be one of the risks of, you know, Goodreads and all these different things. As much as I love those programs, it's just, you know, that ongoing debate with myself of the best way to make sure that this stays what it has always been for me, which is like a conversation and a chance for reflection, if that makes sense. It does. And one of my other general plans, then we can get into some of our specifics. I think Uh, we did our episode on Mm rereading and I mentioned at the end of last year that that last year was the most books I've ever reread in, in a year. I mean, there have been years, years, maybe even, you know, handfuls of years that have gone by where I have not reread a book during that time period. Yeah. And a part of it is for that that goal of like no i i need to get through all the books that i haven't read yet you know like check them off i need to i need to have read 
these books before I reread any of my old favorites or see how they go. But that rereading episode was was kind of revolutionary for me. But also, again, with NYRB Women 23, I had I had read a handful of those already. And I thought, do I want to reread them? And I thought, well, yeah, let's do it. It's not getting in the way, really, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day for a couple of weeks to reread a book that I, I liked in the first place, or or maybe even, you know, in the case of some of them, didn't really get the first time around, uh, might not be that bad of a thing. And I found it to be wonderful. And it the one of the reasons that I that I loved it so much is I realized even though these are some of my favorite books that I'm rereading, I don't remember them anymore. I just remember that I really loved them. Right. And I might remember some feelings around them. I might remember some characters somewhat. Or a scene or a couple yeah. scenes. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to go through that experience a hundred percent in in there? You know, go dig into it once again and reread it where I am at now and enjoy it for that. And again, this opened up space for me to reread books that I've been wanting to for a long time that I've always put off thinking, I don't know, someday when I have so much time or I'm retired and there's nothing else going on and we've figured out the cure to immortality, then I will (laughs) reread the books that I, you know, have loved. But no, I I want to reread more of them now because I really want my reading to be enjoyable and to give me uh, richness mm-hmm. and rereading is is definitely uh, been one of the best ways for me to do that in the last year and so I I plan to reread a few more books I don't know which ones yet right but and and in the meantime get through some of the ones that have always been on the stack you know those white whales that I've been you know wanting to to read for the first time yeah uh, but that without ha- making it a regiment or a plan that's based on just accomplishment but what what do I think would be most enriching for me right now. That's how I want to approach the rereading versus new reads kind of thing for the year. Yeah. Now I love that. You mentioned white whales and rereading that may or may not uh, <laughs> be a spoiler for something that I'll talk about a little later. Oh, it's not a spoiler for me yeah. yet, but you're probably going to talk me into it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, for sure. No, I mean, and I, I just want to put a quick little asterisk, like, even though I said, I don't want my reading to be driven by statistics or anything. One of my other big resolutions for this year is to finally do a better job. You introduced me to that wonderful app Storygraph yeah. last year, and I fiddled with it a little bit, but kind of lost, you know, my momentum. But so far, you know, we're only, what, six days into January, but I've been really enjoying logging the books I've read. And I want to try to make that a regular part. Just it is so much fun to have records for years and years of, of your reading. And um, I do have that, but it's been kind of spread all over the place <laughs> from Palimpsest to, you know, Google docs to just it's scattered to the winds. And I really like the idea of having that starting that and just building up like a central repository for all of that stuff to look back on. So that's another thing, you know, a little more on the technology side, I guess, but just to kind of make sure I get in the habit of as soon as I finish a book, I, I like your approach to that. Cause I think I was overdoing it a little and making it too complicated with start dates and end dates and, all these other, you know, there's so many cool things you can do with that app, but at the very least, what you said, just put an end date and, and yeah. maybe that's it. I can't but, do start dates because it can sometimes be like, oh, did I start that that long ago? <laughs> right. That too. Or like you forget and then it like, yeah, you're guessing. I just so. don't care about that part of it for me. 
No, I think uh, that, uh, yeah. that was good advice because that I think I was just overcomplicating it. So my thought is to do like an end date when I finish a book and maybe throw a star rating on there. Not, I know that those can be problematic, but if nothing else, just it's nice at the end of the year to look back and just like have a general idea. And that doesn't mean that it's going to stay forever of three star read. Sometimes something I mark in the moment as a three star read ends up being a five star read upon reflection. But just to have a couple of little placeholder pieces of information, I think would be fun. I have loved doing that. The um, and it's it's again it's the way of enriching my reading. I can go back and look and reflect. Oh yeah, I loved April for reading. You know, it just makes me excited for more times. Yeah. Um, it it really is. It, I think it's a lot of fun to have one that works for you that isn't again part of the part of a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like tracking what books I finished when. Because it helps me helps me remember them. It's the same yeah. reason I love Bookstagram. Yeah. Uh, you know, the pictures I take, t- I try to take them to where I have a, a sense of the space that I read the book in or the season. I like that. Uh, kind of, you know, I didn't realize it, but that I, I love that helps me enjoy the the year better. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about this before that I don't really like winter, but ever since we started talking about it, and I've started to approach it this way. I don't mind it as much as I used to. I think these things have been really helpful for me and in remembering again, remembering why, what did I do last winter that what made it enjoyable? What are those peaceful moments? Look at that book. Oh, I read um, a horse at night Mm -hmm. on a, you know, on a late January night. I loved that. And that can make me, you know, try to fill that space again, Uh, which a horse at night is a perfect way of reflecting on reading space. And, you know, the, 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 active reading, but also the, the world around you while you're reading. And so that's, that's a reason that I really do love something like Storygraph for the things that I want to use it for. Yeah. You know, I love that. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, that I continue to do my each month, I'll post a a picture of a stack of books that I read during the month. Mm -hmm. And I know that like some people love it. Some people, you know, have problems with it or whatever, but like it, I know Andy Miller kind of stopped doing it because he was getting so much. There's no way you read all that, which we've talked about. That's silly. But the reason I love doing it, one of the reasons I love doing it is because then you can have all these photos, whether it's on my phone or if I go back through Twitter or Instagram or whatever, but just tracking, like, it's just so cool to see all these books that you read together in a given month. And then looking back, you can reflect on the year and just kind of scroll through and have a physical, you know, collection of the books you read. And I, I find that very comforting and, and fun. And it's also just, sometimes it blows your mind because there's a book that you read in the same month as another book. And one of them is like on your end of the year list. And the other one you can barely even remember. It's just, it's just fun to like be able to just scan through those and just think about it. So yeah, I think that's always fun too. All right. Well, some specific reading goals then, as we're talking about all this that I have, I'll just throw them out there because I think we've talked about them enough that we probably don't need to go into detail on them, though we can. Uh, but like NYRB Women 24, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in it. I'm excited for it. I yep. uh, posted a reel on Instagram that that has all 23 of the books we're reading for 2024 because in February the book's long enough. We're just doing one book mm-hmm. that month. Um, but NYRB Women 24. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. It's on Twitter, but it's on Instagram too. Hashtag NYRB Women 24 or send me an email. Uh, I did post the schedule on our show notes for the Dalkey archive episode, but that's something that Kim McNeil is, is heading up. It's her, her schedule, her, her plans. She posts the the reading. 
participate in any way that you can, but I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard for that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that so much. And I'm going to take the same approach I did last year where I used a, a, several of my Christmas gift cards and actually put out wish lists. So I got a fair number of those that I didn't own for Christmas or I bought them for myself. There are still holes that I don't yet have. So I'm not going to put the pressure on myself to like go out and buy every single right. one, but any book on that list that I already own. And also as the year goes along, if I get chances to pick up ones that are coming up, I'm going to do it. But so I'm going to be in and out, but mostly in for the year. I just nice. found that that worked pretty well for me. Um, last I was year. pretty fortunate when, when Kim released the list, I think I needed one, maybe two nice. is all. So I, I was, I, I didn't have to do, any scrambling to get them. And that, that was when I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it again the whole way. Cause I've got <laughs> I, them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's crazy because I've posted pictures like, you know, it's, I am not lacking for NYRB classics. I have almost an entire bookcase full. And mm-hmm. I think it speaks to both their library and their backlist, just the depth of it. And also to Kim's really fascinating and eclectic choices that despite having an entire bookshelf, there are still some on there that I don't have. And I love that. I, mm-hmm. I find that really exciting because I think it's pretty fun that I could have that many of them. And there's still so many great books out there that these people will be talking about over the year and that I'll be joining in when I can that I may or may not even have. So yeah, it's one of those. Right. There's always more. It's fun. <laughs> well, on the NY, this is a very little tangent, but I, you remember when we did our NYRB Classics episode, mm-hmm. we called that part one. We did. And I have been getting messages from people saying, when are you doing part two? Hey, I'm ready. Because, you know, we kind of did leave that out there as a promise. In fact, we limited ourselves to not even bringing up other NYRB Classics books other than the ones we were going to highlight because we didn't want to just start listing their whole catalog. But we said, we know we'll be doing this again. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get, offline, we'll figure out when that will come. But that... I think we've got to throw that one up there. Oh, I agree. I think for a lot of the great publisher episodes, there's plenty of other publishers Mm -hmm. that we plan to highlight in the future that we haven't touched on yet, but I think we can revisit pretty much any of them, probably all of them and have a whole wealth. And luckily, as everybody who listens to this knows, we never talk about any of the NYRB classics outside of that list. So we pretty much have a clean (laughs) slate, right? We haven't brought them up at all. Yeah. No one will get any duplicate information from us on that. No, no. No. Well, the other projects that I have that I've already brought up and so don't feel I need to to talk too much about them, but I am, you know, I am almost halfway through War and Peace. Yeah. I probably tomorrow, maybe Monday, I will get to the halfway point. That's so so cool. that's going steadily and slowly, but not in a way that feels slow, you know? Yeah. Um, that makes me so happy because I remember, was it about a year ago or so, or maybe it was longer than that now? When I, I think it was when I finished it or when I was reading it or something. And that was one of those books that you had tried several times. And if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. it might've even been during our episode where we were just like, there are certain books that you just kind of have come to peace with the fact that you'll just never read them. Yeah. It was our bucket list episode. I think our very first episode. Wow. Yeah. And I said, what are some books you have removed from your bucket list? And I had removed this one. Um, I do blame Chris Villa. His leaf by leaf, you know, massive mm-hmm. episode of, uh, on his reading of War and Peace, and his discussion about the various translations made me think, oh, I, I can, I can do this. And again, uh, thanks to the what I've already talked about, the way I've kind of approached my reading, I felt like it was doable without getting in the way 
And yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been great. I'm still looking forward to the rest of it. And I don't feel that rush to the end. Like I'm not sitting here thinking, oh geez, I still have another 650, 700 pages left. This is going to go on forever. It's like, I'm just going to live with this for a while longer, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's really cool. The other one I'm doing is uh, Anthony Trollope, kind of two parts. One, I'm in a group that is reading all of his short stories. Once per week, we read a short story of his. I did the Christmas uh, stories group in December and really enjoyed that. Um, And so I'm joining that, but I am going to read the six books in the Palliser series. I uh, starting with Can You Forgive Her? I'm on chapter 22, I believe, oh, wow. of, of Can You Forgive Her? And really loving getting you know back to his his novels. His short stories were good, but they're, you know, I love his novels. So We don't have to go too far down this road, but how are you finding it? Like, does it seem familiar after having read those other books? Or is it like familiar, but still different and refreshing? Or like, how does it compare to the other I, I think series? both. Mm-hmm. Some of the characters we met in the other book, That's right. uh, there was even like a, I mean, he could have cut it from that book. Like we meet, we meet Plantagenet Palliser and his, I think, fiance at the time, or, you know, Lady Glencora. And in one of the other books that I read, and they're really not relevant to that plot. They're just kind of part of the whole fabric of it. Mm. And here they, here they're still actually kind of on the side. Um, but this is the Palliser series, so I'm assuming they'll, you know, be a little bit stronger. But yeah, it's like it's like I've moved from Barchester itself to a little bit closer to the political world and to London, and I'm okay with that because the characters still delightful. It's still Trollope telling it. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. Very cool. So now I do have other ones that are. Um, I've got one more kind of project and then a few of my specific uh, reading goals for the year. Do you want to list anything first before I get there? Sure. I mean, I can just jump in since you mentioned our friend Kim McNeil, the queen of group reads. Um, One of my big projects for the year is one that she organized. Um, It's the reading of Mm -hmm. Black Lamb and Gray Falcon by Rebecca West. And if I'm not mistaken, this is another one where me posting pictures of my book hauls on social media, um, it sparked a whole revolution because I, that's kind of what happened with uh, Joseph and his brothers. I had posted that I just got that along with a stack of others and it kind of generated. And I think that's what happened with this one. Um, posted a picture of black lamb and gray Falcon that I picked up and um, a group kind of formed around it, which is so fun. Um, and so I don't know, it's just another example of, of what's so cool about social media, but also group reads is I was so excited when I picked up this book. I had kept an eye out for it forever because I've heard so many good things about it. But realistically, it probably would have sat on my shelf for who knows how long. Because it's a before. big one. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, it's another <laughs> war and peace or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just having this excitement of people joining in and, and having Kim's um, motivation and organization behind it has just been cool. So we're, you know, maybe I'm trying to think maybe like not quite 100 pages in so far. And it's just absolutely wonderful. I'm loving it. Um, and I would just encourage if there's anybody out there who is just hearing about this for the first time or who's on the fence, we're not far enough into it that you couldn't pretty quickly catch up. So I would encourage anybody who's interested to jump in. It's hashtag black lamb 24 is the way you can find people talking about it as, as well as a reading schedule. Um, but I mean, this is considered to be West's magnum opus. Um, I was just going to read a really quick description, if you don't mind, just in case people are coming to this and they don't know what I'm talking about. 
says written on the brink of World War II, Rebecca West's classic examination of the history, people, and politics of Yugoslavia eliminates a region that is still a focus of international concern. A magnificent blend of travel journal, cultural commentary, and historical insight, it probes the troubled history of the Balkans and the uneasy relationships among its ethnic groups. The landscape and the people of Yugoslavia are brilliantly observed as West untangles the tensions that rule the country's history as well as its daily life. So uh, it's just, that, that's a good summary. It's, it's wonderful. It reminds me in some ways of Patrick Lee Farmer so far, that perfect mm. blend of she'll delve off into history, but then she'll weave in geography as they're taking a train ride and start talking about the region and she'll pass through a city and that will kind of take her off on this tangent discussing how the the different groups in that town interact with each other and some of the cultural tensions they've had. So it's just like that perfect blend like he does where it never feels like you're just reading a textbook or a history book. It's she'll bring it back to her husband and they're meeting these friends at the train station and she'll have these great descriptions of those people and, and some of their backgrounds. And so it's just so far, just absolutely wonderful and everything I would have hoped it would be. So yeah, I don't know. I know you have a lot going on Trevor, but any temptation to jump on the train? <laughs> I've been tempted the whole time, but I've kind of deliberately been, you know, straight arming all of those conversations, you know, barreling through them. Get thee behind me. Yeah. But you say, uh, you know, you bring up Patrick Lee Fermer and I'm like, oh, geez. I know. I I did that just for you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the book. Okay. If I had it, I would, I would definitely be over, you know, the the temptation would overwhelm me and I would absolutely cave. Yeah. Uh, But I don't have it. And that has been a hurdle that I have said, okay, that's in place. Right. It's going to, it's a barrier. (laughs) No, I think that's fair. I mean, realistically, it'll still be there for you another day. And I mean, even, you know, there's our friend Paper Pills who's on Hmm. social media. She's always doing all these group reads and then like so many of them are so intriguing to me, but kind of going back to what we talked about, you have to kind of preserve the space to make sure that these things don't turn into more than you can handle. Um, There's always going to be more reads and more books. So no, I think it it is hard when sometimes it seems like the perfect opportunity to read it with friends, a book that is big. And so it's a little intimidating just to venture out into that world alone. Yeah. But you, it's a good excuse to do it. It's hard not to jump in there and I know, and still, and, and look at this as an opportunity to read something I've been wanting to read, but for sure. anyway. Well, maybe we'll speaking of rereading, I'm sure in a year or two, we'll all be ready to reread be, that, you know, 1500 maybe. pages. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. And maybe another reason. So I, I went a different direction, but I, I see Francis, um, our friend Francis at Nonsuch Book is, is at least, you know, starting with the first one. Uh, but it's uh, Emile Zola's, uh, the Rougon Maquette. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that it right. Rougon Macar. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, so it's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, those that's 20 books. They're they're actually relatively short, like 300 pages for the most part. But that's 20 books, and my wife got me the first five of the recommended order. Mm-hmm. It's not the first five published order, but the first five recommended order for Christmas. And then I had um, a gift card that I got book six. Because I plan on going through that, and I have been really enjoying. I'm doing it slow. It's not mm-hmm. this sense of oh, I need to read this 300 page book tonight or over the next week so that I can get to the next one. It's like, hey, just just do it. You know, oh, can I only read five pages right now? Then I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I have really been enjoying it. 
it it starts out with um almost this like cinematic look at this cemetery and these two young um lovers you know i hesitate to call them lovers though they are but they're they're very young mm-hmm. especially the girl um but you know sneaking through this cemetery and then he gets to just this history of this family and it's like show don't tell nope i'll just going to tell you how you know through the whole thing but it's still been really enjoyable but a lot of a lot of setup i know a lot of the characters that i've been introduced to are central characters in the books that come up in the in the series but that's another project that I have mm. that is, you know, oh, I, 20 books. I mean, I could do it in a year, but I doubt that I will. It'll probably be a few years of, of work to get through that that project, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah. No, you and Francis have definitely tempted and inspired me on that one to the point where I currently have a Blackwell's tab open on Ooh. my computer with the first three of them sitting in the card. I haven't yet committed, but I think I'm going to pick up for one thing I, I you and I've had a few off, offline conversations I did not realize that I believe all of them can be purchased it's is it the Oxford classics yes edition and I mean, those that... are the recommended ones okay they're they they've got fresh translations they they kind of if you even if you just go to Amazon and look up one of those books yeah if you scan down to the book's description it'll have Oxford's like ad for the whole series and what okay. they did with it it's really inspirational oh that's really cool because even with Trollope, I've had the problem where like I do have all of the Barchester series, but they're like about as much of a hodgepodge collection as you could ever want. Some are hardback, some are paperback, like different editions. And that's still, I'm just happy to have them. But something like that with Zola to have them yeah. all just sitting on a shelf and ready for you in the same editions. They, they really are lovely. <laughs> I know. So yeah, no, thank, thanks for that. Um, I say only somewhat sarcastically. Now that's exciting. Um, I mean, I can touch on another one of mine yeah. that maybe a year or it may be more. And I've, I've mentioned it a little bit, I think in a, one of our last couple episodes, but my buddy Cormac McCarthy um, just has been on my mind so much last year, him passing away. But you know, the fact that yeah. the passenger and Stella Maris were the top shared my top book of the year for last year. And then I mentioned too, that my wife has been kind of reading through them and discovering not necessarily in chronological order, but she had heard me raving about it for so long and, finally picked up Blood Meridian, I think it was last year, and she's mm. actually ended up reading that twice. Like, she basically stopped reading it. I mean, finished it and then started reading it again. She's been making her way through Sutri. Mm. Um, it's just a bunch of them. And just talking to her about it, seeing her excitement, seeing it over on the bedside table, combined with, like I said, those other factors, I've decided I'm going to go back and start reading all of his works chronologically. Because there are... I've read most of his stuff at this point, but there are some gaps that just ones that I've never picked up, including the one that the very first one that I'm reading now, the orchard keeper, I realized I had never actually read that. So you asked, you know, what was the dot, dot, dot on my message about Uh what I'm reading now? That is what I picked up last night and I'm 30 pages in um, loving it as always. Just you talked about the opening scene of that book, I think on our Cormac episode where the guy's walking down the road and his shoes like flopping, it's like coming apart at the seams and just, Cormac's ability to just describe everything, people, humanity, nature. Oh, uh, I'm just so happy to be back and I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> so kind of what you were saying was, I'm not going to put pressure on it that, you know, there is 12, there are 12, I think main works from what mm-hmm. I remember. I could do one a month, but I don't think I will necessarily publicly declare I'm going to do that. It may work out that I'll do that. 
but more likely it could be one of those that kind of drifts over into the next couple of years. But more than anything, it's just one of those fun projects that I'll have going amidst other things that I'm really yeah, looking I, forward to. I'm excited. Did, I can't remember if you've read the uh, if you've read Outer Dark and Child of God. It's so funny. I was telling my wife, I get those first three. I cannot keep them straight for the life of me. I have read one of the three. I now know it was not mm-hmm. Outer Dark. <laughs> Well, you mean the Orchard Keeper, right? Um, or I mean the Orchard Keeper, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've read the one with like the brother and the sister. That's that's Outer Dark. Okay, so I have read that one. So, so Child of God is the other one that I have not read. Oh my gosh. I'm in for some. You got some, I mean, I love, I love those. I, I read the Orchard Keeper and, and really enjoyed it. I'm glad I did. But yeah, Outer Dark and Child of God, oh man, they're, they're horrific, but man, they're powerful too. I know. And I'm looking forward to rereading all of them, but in particular, one group that I'm really looking forward to rereading is the Border Trilogy. Because mm-hmm. when I read those, I have them in this like UK omnibus edition, and I just read them you know, back to back to back, almost like it was one book. And that was one of the best reading experiences of my life. So I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to do it in chronological order. Mm-hmm. But when I get to those in Sutri, those are ones that I haven't read in quite a long time. I'm really looking forward to revisiting those as well as, you know, discovering some of these other ones that I've just never actually gotten to. Nice. Yeah. Well, that is exciting. Um, so one of the other projects I have, I was able, I, I brought up that my wife, uh, you know, local librarian, mm-hmm. uh, did a book challenge last year of 25 books and, and with categories, uh, bookmark that you fill out through the year. And I ended up getting blackout, which I think was like 42, 44 books, somewhere around there. I can't remember, but I got it done. And so I'll show you. I got this nice uh, Salem Bibliophiles. uh, That's really nice. uh, Stanley mug kind of thing. And I haven't used it yet. (laughs) I need to. Uh, But yes, next year, I understand the prize is going to be a book tote, which I have plenty of those and absolutely love them. So I'm I'm all on board. And next year, she's up the ante. It's not 25 books. It's it's the year 2024, so she's flipped the numbers there at the end from 24 to reading 42 books in 2024. Like and that. there's a list of like 51 categories that you can read in. And I'm planning on getting blackout again. You know, I don't maybe maybe she'll fill up the tote with candy. The mug had some candy in it if you got blackout. Ooh. So <laughs> we'll Great. see. But that's you better not fun. be getting any special privileges since you know the judge. That's no, all I gotta the, say. The, well, that I don't think that I am because she gave it to everybody okay. who got blackout. Uh, I do get the I, I do get to sometimes say, "Oh, I like that category," yeah. when she's planning the list, but she doesn't really, you know, rely on my input or anything like that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. That's fun. Just out of curiosity, do you think she'd be open to like? Is that pretty much a local thing, or do you think that's like in this magical world of the internet? Is that something that other people could partic- potentially? I, I think in? because of the the library's budget system, people yeah. could certainly take, take part of it, but would they right. get a prize at the end? Maybe that's probably for residents and members yeah, yeah. of the library. No, that makes sense. Um, but, oh yeah, for sure. We're, I'm planning on sending the bookmark to, to some people. Like I, I sent um, some stuff to, to my parents who don't live in the state or anything like that. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that if people wanted to get a hold of the, the 
challenge and, and see if it works say. for them. They absolutely yeah. can. With the caveat of, yeah, no, no prizes, but I just wondered like if anybody out there is listening and some people like those kind of book bingos. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering if it would be open to, you know, just some people for some reading inspiration to kick off the year fun categories. Oh, for sure. And I've, I, the thing that I like is going through the categories and starting to realize, Oh, there's a book I've been wanting to read for a long time that fits in that category. This is again, that excuse to read it. Oh yeah. So I've got my list of things I'm looking forward to, to getting to over the year. That's why I read Lonesome Dove last year was one of the categories was a Western and you know, it's a big book and Mm -hmm. I'd already loved and seen the miniseries several times. I didn't know if I'd ever read it, but you know, you're, you're, um, enthusiasm for it of course made me want to read it finally but that was the kicker was oh i've got to read a western i could read i could probably even manipulate one of the books i read to being a western i don't know i didn't try right um but certainly i could like go grab a louis l'amour and finish it in you know an afternoon right but i was like no this is my chance this is my reason to do it and i did it and i loved it very cool i'm really excited for the project again uh, I love these kinds of things that inspire you to look forward to reading. Uh, whether you're able to accomplish it or not is a little bit beside the point. Of course, we, you know, I, I, I hope so. It's fun if you can, but also the planning, the hope, the the thoughtfulness, the you know what we're doing with this episode is is also its own thing and a lot of fun to do. So I completely agree. Well, I could just touch on one other. It's a maybe for me. I don't want to commit for mm-hmm. sure. But our friend, amateur reader Tom on Twitter that we've both mm-hmm. known for a long time, he posted something in December about a fairly informal reading of Ovid's uh, Metamorphosis. Oh, nice. And that's one that I've been fascinated by as an English major. It just has brought up, you know, oh, yeah. in so many books. And it's, you know, just so central to like, the Western canon. and just... We've probably touched on it four times in this conversation. Didn't even know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that he is very relaxed about it and he's just like, I'm going to be doing this. If anybody wants to kind of tag along, we don't, we don't need to like be at the same pace or anything. But so I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how and if I will do that, but that's one that does definitely, it's attractive to me. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, mm. how to do it in a way in which I can enjoy it. So that's something that's on my maybe list for the year, but it's something I would like to do. Uh, what about Miss Macintosh, My Darling? Yes. By Margaret Young. Yes. You were kind enough to... That's not why I'm bringing it up, no, but no. anyway. <laughs> no, I, it was one of my favorite Christmas presents of the year. Yeah, Trevor sent me um, an email and it was... As everyone knows who's been following the saga of Miss Macintosh, it's it's in the works. It is a huge publishing nightmare because of the size and just, you know, everything that's going on in the, the actual physical print world right now. But my understanding is it's moving ahead. I, I know that Kaya posted something recently that it had been uploaded to the printer. So I don't know what that means as far as a time frame. But anyways, as part of that deal, if you purchase Miss Macintosh from Dalkey, they will immediately send you the ebook. Yeah, um, which I received. Yes, so that is absolutely something that my main debate right now is like, I don't know. I think you might have dipped into the ebook a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. And I was thinking yeah. I might do that. I can't picture reading that entire thing as an ebook, but I don't know. Maybe as we get more information about when it might come out, it might shape where I could get a little bit of a head start, knowing that the the big old brick is coming. But yeah, I definitely want to read that this year because. We've all been waiting for it now for what seems like 
decades. Um, yeah. How about you? Is that on your list? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a goal that I, I intend, I haven't, I haven't started the actual book yet. I've been, you know, fiddling with the idea of just diving in, but I have read the introduction mm-hmm. um, that, that come, comes in the, the Dalkey edition, really enjoyed it. Made me just really excited to, to, to read it. Um, the, and then of course, again, I, I went back and watched Chris Villa's that's what I was going to say. <laughs> his his uh, video on it, and it just made me really excited. And you know, I've seen other people get a hold of like the old copies of it, uh, you know, original hardbacks and whatnot. It just, I don't know. It sounds it sounds readable while long, um, yeah. and I'm excited for it. I am too. No, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's definitely one that, yeah. It almost seems like too good to be true that it actually could come out this year because we've been mentioning it, I feel like, every year. So I'm really excited yeah. for that one. It does look beautiful. Like even the PDF where they have the, everything paginated, I'm assuming it's the very format that the book comes in. It just looks so great to see that title page. You know, mm. I don't know. It was it was a I lot know. of fun. Well, <laughs> like Indiana Jones or something discovering this. You know, something we've only heard myths about, and now it's actually there. <laughs> I know I could read it any moment, you know, really. I could just I know start it today, but it's but fun. yeah, there is something I do want the 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 physical copy. I'm excited for when that I comes. Know. But but I was I thought it was so cool that they did this deal yeah, me too. as well. Absolutely. That's really nice. All right. I have one more that I was gonna put you on the spot. Are you ready? Oh, yep, I'm ready. Okay. I thought I'd bring it up live on air. Um as you may or may not remember, at some point last year, we had mm. discussed a group read of Roberto Bolaño's The Savage Detectives. Does that Absolutely. ring a bell for you? Yep, yep. Yep. I was waiting for you to be done with basically 2023 with your judging and with mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, Thomas Mann uh, group read. And then I, I was going to spring it on you too. So <laughs> it was like a quick draw. I beat you to the draw this time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely something that I, I know that we've had quite a few listeners and people on social media who've expressed mm-hmm. interest in, in joining us on that. So that's definitely something I don't know that we necessarily need to figure out a time yet, but I do know that that is something that's on the docket for 2024 that I am really looking forward to. Well, and I think it makes sense, you know, here we're having a live, uh, a planning meeting because <laughs> <Right. laughs> people I think that. it I think it makes sense to do it early in the year we've got our summer we don't have a book plan for our summer book club but we'll I, you know I'm planning on doing that again that's been so mm-hmm. fun for sure and I don't want to wait until the end of the year to do the savage detectives so I think it makes sense to maybe maybe start thinking of mid-february March mm-hmm. something like, like that. that you know a thing to get us through the the latter part of of winter. Yeah, I like you that. You know, that joyful, the joyful words of Roberto Bolaño. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you sure we shouldn't say that for the holidays? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And that'll be another one that we mentioned our bucket list books. Um, I think that came up during that conversation, our very first episode. So that'll be really fun to yeah. get to that. And um, yeah, he's just... The, the, the hard uh, planning is going to be how do we how do we manage this in a way that works for people? You know, we can, we can say, you know, I mean, honestly, we can even say February 15th is when we'll officially start it, whether you can start then or not, you know, February 15th to the end of March, maybe even, or March 1st to the end of March. I don't know. We'll, we'll get those kind of solidified, but then there's what format do we, do we have any kind of discussion, Mm -hmm. um, 
I'll try and work on some things because there is Substack, which was works pretty well, I think, for discussions, and maybe that's a good place to do it. You know, too many people have have jumped off of Twitter, or and, and you know don't want to go back. There's not enough people in some of the other places. Um, maybe something like Substack can be a centralized location for Savage Detectives. But we'll 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 do some look on that. If anyone has any ideas um, that we can consider, then mm-hmm. let us know. But we'll we'll get some details on that. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Well, I know we're gonna jump into some you know, books we're looking forward to. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention as far as reading plans? Well, uh, so someone copied me on a tweet yesterday that has gone, you know, in our sphere, relatively viral. And so I just keep getting notifications after notification about a a million of the best biographies ever written. Seriously. And I wondered if that plays now into your plans for 2024, sir. (laughs) I'm really glad you copied me in it. I'm glad it took off the way it did. That has been fun. I say it like that, but I was not annoyed in any way, shape or form. (laughs) No, I was just showing my wife. I'm like, I don't know what happened here, but just to catch people up. I mean, we talked about uh, Red Comet, the Sylvia, Sylvia Plath biography that we both read towards the end of last year and that just blew us both away. And I think we both said it was either the very best or one of the very best literary biographies we'd ever read. And so I borrowed a photo from you and and posted it and just said something to that effect. I love this. What are some of everyone's favorite literary biographies out there? And boy, oh boy, I did not expect it to take off like it has. It is just going nuts. Um, there, is, there is a rabid f- fan base of biographies yeah. On Twitter. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, right now we, yeah, I mean, it's changing by the minute, but it's yeah. All kinds of likes, all kinds of bookmarks <laughs> and the comments are just fascinating. We have, there's yeah. just so many wonderful biographies that are literary biographies that people are recommending. Some of which were on my radar, but many, many, many of which I had never even heard about. And so I will definitely take that into account for my reading. I, I don't know. Like I have, I was not expecting this kind of reaction. So I'm still kind of in shock, but yeah, I mean like the James Joyce biography is one that I own that quite a few people have mentioned that would immediately jump out to me, but there's all kinds on there that I've been adding to my wish list. you know, like um, Clarice Lispector, there's a biography of her, there's Jean Reese, there's all, just all kinds of them. So I would definitely recommend that anybody who's interested go jump into that fray um, and, if nothing else, bookmark it for later, because that's one of the things that I know Twitter is not what it used to be, but every once in a while, you'll come across something like this. Where <laughs> it just makes me realize why I stick around. It's such a valuable community that's still on there. Um, and, and just so many people who love books and have these perspectives outside of what I have. It's, it's been really fun. So yeah, sorry for tagging you on that. I'm sure it's... Uh, oh, like I say, I'm, I, I loved it. And there yeah. were a lot that I've some of them I've been wanting to get to, and it's just nice to see that there's a good reason to to keep wanting to get to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it's been fun. Yeah, who knows? By the time this comes out, it'll probably so, be even more. But Quick question for, for 2024. I don't have this on my list, but there is a biography that a lot of our friends have been really looking forward to. I actually think Nora um, recently got a, an early copy of it. But I can't remember who it is of. Is it Barbara Cummins? Yes, it is. It is? Okay. Yeah, and I don't have that information right in front of me, but it was actually in a different 
it wasn't even that tweet, but the publisher, which I feel bad, I'll, I'll try to bring it up in a future episode or we can add it to our show notes. Maybe I don't remember who it was, but the publisher reached are, out are to me. Are we still in planning mode? Oh man. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, they reached out to me and they were like, Oh, you may be interested because I had posted something about Barbara Cummins and they said, Oh, you might want to check out this biography, which is coming out soon. Um, hmm. So like I said, I feel bad that I don't have it right in front of me. But yeah, there is. It's coming out here in the next couple of months, if I'm not mistaken, in the U.S. Well, and do we have we have we solidified that that's our next author yet? I don't know if we Where, said it, that, but I would be. I I think that works for me. We have been talking with Nora um, mm-hmm. about coming and joining us for that for that episode because she's a you know she's been going through all of her work and and again just got this. I think I think just got an early copy of the the biography that's coming out. I'm sorry, I can't find it either to say who the author is. I I know I've looked it up because I'm very intrigued by it as well. Um, but it's not just popping up, so we'll 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 correct. We'll we'll get more clarity for people who are interested. But I do think that Barbara Cummins is our next author. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad so. you mentioned that. And like I said, I'll, I'll either on a future episode or, or somehow we'll get that information out to people. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, but we better we better get to our books that we're looking forward to. I think we're because we don't know anything about these books. We'll be pretty brief, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm planning on uh, just saying I'm, this is one I'm looking forward to, and uh, just being very brief. Because if I was thinking about it, if we both have five. If we both took two minutes, yeah, that's still quite a bit of time. Right? <laughs> this will turn so into we'll, like a whole another episode if we're not careful, right? So. So. So, I mean, I'm fine with it being a little rambly, but I know right. you have a place to go and I've got to go help out at a library event here in nice. uh, the next little bit. Yeah. We're having, cool. we're having llamas at the library today for a pajama party, but real llamas are coming. Wow. Jeez. You don't do, do oh, not we do all kinds of things. I can tell <laughs> what a great library in your town has. That's cool. Um, well, yeah, I'll just start off with a caveat of like, as always, pretty much if anybody goes through the entire forthcoming books from open letter archipelago NYRB, like I could basically have read through that entire list, but I decided not to do that. So some of my books this year aren't necessarily from those publishers that we usually highlight, Mm -hmm. but it's only because I think we'll talk about them enough throughout the year. uh, I think so as is. So, I mean, I can just kick off with, there's a book called the last fire season by Manjula Martin. That's Mm. coming out um, here on January 16th. And it's described as H's for Hawk meets Joan Didion in the Pyrocene, an arresting combination of memoir, natural history, and literary inquiry that chronicles one woman's experience of life in Northern California during the worst fire season on record. So I had not even heard about that one, but I just came across it as I was browsing around. And it just sounds very fascinating, both ticking the nature writing boxes, but it does have kind of that, you know, climate change is hard to read about, but it's also so important and it creates some really powerful books, especially when you can tie it into a memoir in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that just sounds like it will not be an uplifting read, but it sounds really interesting. I've seen mention of that one. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, exciting. I know. Well, I'll, I'll go too with one that's coming out uh, relatively soon. This is The Book of Love by Kelly Link. Mm. Kelly Link is a short story author that. I really love her short stories. She was a finalist for the Pulitzer for one of her collections. This is her debut novel and it's big. It's like 650 pages, but it comes out on February 13th. um, If anyone's looking for, you know, Valentine's present. There you go. And late one night, Lara, Daniel, and Mo find themselves beneath the fluorescent lights of the high school classroom, almost a year after disappearing from their hometown, the small seaside community of Lovesend, Massachusetts, 
having long been presumed dead. Which, in fact, they are. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I, I really like Kelly Link's imagination, and this looks pretty interesting with uh, these friends, and they're, they're, they're dead. Um, well, well, we'll see how that one goes, but I'm, I'm excited about that one. Very cool. That sounds great. Well, I'll jump back a couple weeks before that one, another January, January 30th, one that anybody who follows our friend Francis knows all about by now. It's Your Utopia by Bora Chung, translated by Anton Hur. Hur. Um, I know a lot of people on here have already um, you know, read, read and loved her book, The Cursed Bunny. And this is uh, a collection of short stories that sounds like it will touch on a lot of the same topics. You know, I'm sure it'll tread new ground, but um, covering everything from unruly AI to the quest for immortality to the environmental destruction caused by capitalism, this story collection promises more of the mystifying, horror-filled goodness that has become her calling card. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's another one that um, we were at. A, I think I mentioned a friend of mine just opened a bookstore here close to us, and I had listened to a copy, or I had listened to The Cursed Bunny, but we picked up a copy from her and my wife actually read that over the last week and just absolutely oh. loved those. So she was excited to hear a new one's <laughs> coming out so quickly. I haven't read those yet. Still yeah. read Cursed Bunny. They're so weird. And so like, it's like horror, but like, I don't know, sci-fi. It's, it's very interesting. I think you'd like them. Pretty uh, exciting. All right. My next one won't be a surprise to, it's probably on all of these lists. And I know it's, it's not unique. I'm going to be, really providing people with new information here, but it is one of my most anticipated titles of the year. It's um, Percival Everett's James. Yeah. I'm glad I just that. can't wait. The, the thing that's kind of weird to me is I have had, they sent me, um, you know, an early mm. copy. I bet I've had it since September, maybe even August. I can't remember. And I keep putting off reading it because I don't know who I can talk about it with mm. when I'm done. And I think it's time, though. It comes out March 19th, and I've been kind of eyeing, you know, mid-January to finally start it. So nice. here we, you know, we're we're getting close to that that area. Yeah. Um, that way, I think I'll be able to have plenty of time to, to digest it and think about it before its release, while still hopefully being able to talk a little bit more about it. But I can't wait. For those who don't know, this is, in a way, um, well, I'll just read what it says here on the the copy. It says, when the enslaved Jim, yes, that Jim, <laughs> you know, from Huckleberry Finn, mm -hmm. overhears that he is about to be sold to a man in New Orleans, separated from his wife and daughter forever, he decides to hide on nearby Jackson Island until he can formulate a plan. Meanwhile, Huck Finn has faked his own death to escape his violent father, recently returned to town. As all readers of American literature know, thus begins the dangerous and transcendent journey by raft down the Mississippi River toward the elusive and too often unreliable promise of the free states and beyond. Now, I, Percival Everett is absolutely irreverent mm -hmm. and doesn't give a fig about propriety and about our, you know, sensitivities. And I just can't wait to see what he has done with this. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, that one just sounds fascinating. So I'll look forward to hearing what you think about it. So, yeah, Good. I'm, I'm glad excited you about that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next one on my list comes out February 20th, and it's from one of my very favorite writers. She's normally an essayist, Leslie Jameson, 
and she has a new book coming out, which I didn't even know about until I started looking for this list and I about jumped out of my chair. It's called Splinters. Um, and it's <laughs> her first memoir, which was interesting because it's that's I'm sure that's true. Her essays have always been very, I would say, you know, they're like little mini memoirs that also kind of delve off into other areas. But I guess this is technically her first memoir. Um, and I'll just read a, a quick bit of it. It says she turns her unrivaled powers of perception on some of the most intimate relationships of her life, her consuming love for her young daughter, a ruptured marriage once swollen with hope, and the shaping legacy of her own parents' complicated bond. In examining what it means for a woman to be many things at once, a mother, an artist, a teacher, a lover, Jameson places the magical and the mundane side by side in surprising ways. So we talked in our last episode, I think it was about just, I've been reading so many books about motherhood in the last few years that have just blown me away. And the fact that this is Leslie Jameson, one of my favorite writers, touching on That's some awesome. of those very same topics. I could not be more excited. This will be on the pre-order list for me, for sure. So yeah, that's February 20th. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I did not have that one on my radar at all. So yeah, thank you. Sure. Absolutely. She's amazing. Let's see if I can return the favor. Okay. It won't be quite the same. Uh, you know, I know that she's one of your favorite authors, and I don't know if, if you've ever read anything by Karis Davies. Um, she's the author of West and the mission home. And, um, I think another book or two that, that I can't think of right now. Um, anyway, she's got a new one coming out in, in April. It's April 2nd called clear. It takes place in 1840s and, um, during the inf- the final stages of the infamous Scottish clearances, which saw whole communities of the rural poor driven off the land in a relentless program of forced evictions uh, but here's the uh, here's the the premise of it John and impo- an impoverished Scottish minister has accepted a job evicting the lone remaining occupant of an island north of Scotland Ivar who has been living alone for decades with only the animals and the sea for company though his wife Mary has serious misgivings about the errand he decides to go anyway setting in motion a chain of events that neither he nor Mary could have predicted. Shortly after John reaches the island, he falls down a cliff and is found unconscious and badly injured by Ivar, who takes him home and tends to his wounds. And they, you know, it goes on to say they don't they don't speak the same language, all these things. But I'm just thinking, okay, yeah, uh, that sounds that sounds like a one that I I could get lost in for a while. Get out, mm. get out away from everything, and see this isolation, this harsh circumstance, but the humanity that can happen there too. That does sound really good. Yeah, thank you. I had not even had that one on my radar, so there you did return the favor. There we go. <laughs> nice. Well, my next one comes out March 12th, and it's called The Children of the Dead. And it's from the author of The Piano Teacher. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I don't... Hold on. Elfriede Jelinek. There you go. Thank you. You saved me because I had not jotted down her name. Yeah, so I have not read anything by her, but I did see that film, you know, which is... <laughs> A lot, a lot. Um, but anyway, this book, I heard somebody talking about it the other day. And again, it wasn't on my radar, but it just sounds amazing. They, they say it's her magnum opus, um, a spectral journey through the catastrophic history embedded in the landscape of Austria. So I'll just read this description because this further sold me. It says, the Alpenrose is a mountain resort nestled in Austria's scenic landscape among historic churches and castles. It is a vacation idol that attracts tourists from all over Europe. It is also a massive burial site. Amid the snow-topped peaks and panoramic vistas, ghosts haunt the forest. Edgar Strams, a young skier who died in a car crash, 
Gudrun Bickler, a philosophy student who committed suicide in her bathtub, and Karen Frenzel, a widow who perhaps died in a bus accident. As the three slip in and out of the hotel, engaging unsuspecting tourists and seeking a way to return to life, the soil begins to crack under their feet as the dead of the Holocaust awaken, zombies determined to exact their revenge. So I was just like, holy cow, like that just sounds, I don't know even what to make of it, but it sounds like a book that I, I need to get a hold of and read because um, it just, I don't know. I, I've not read anything that sounds even remotely like that, but it also sounds very intriguing to me. And that comes out from another great publisher that's always worth looking at, uh, Yale's uh, Yale University. Press, but it's mm-hmm. their Margellos um, World Literature line, if I remember right. Yeah, thanks for that's mentioning how... that because I was going to mention the publisher. Yeah, so that one, as we always say, it's amazing how we can follow all this stuff so closely and yet something like that comes out and I'm just like, I've never even heard about that yet. So. <laughs> All right. My next one is, uh, I just got a, an advanced copy over the holidays, uh, but I'm, it, it looks so good. I haven't started it yet other than to skim it. And I'm going to actually read just a little bit of the opening for folks here, but it is called Traces of Enayat by Iman Mersal. Hmm. And it's translated by Robin Moger. Moger, I don't know exactly how to say uh, that name, the last name, M-O-G-E-R. Uh, this is coming out from Transit Books in April, April 2nd, same day as Clear, the one I just mentioned. But it is a, billed as a gorgeously digressive biography that embraces the reciprocal relationship between author and subject. So timely, you know, I'd already had this on my list before, you know, all the biographies flooded. Right. <laughs> this is good timing. <laughs> uh, but it says Cairo, 1963. Four years before her lone fo- novel is finally published, the writer Enayat al-Zayat commits suicide. For the next three decades, it's as if Enayat al-Zayat never existed. Years later, when celebrated Egyptian poet Iman Mersal stumbles upon Enayat's long-forgotten novel, Love and Silence, Mersal embarks on a journey of reflection and rediscovery, leading her ever closer to the world and work of Enayat al-Zayat. Now, Honestly, I haven't even looked enough to know if this is actually true or if this is a novel, but I think it is. Tr- I think it is a gorgeously digressive biography, meaning this is all right. There are pictures in it, but again, I just can't trust that kind of stuff anymore. Right, uh, you know. <laughs> but I'll, but here here's how it starts. This is uh, the very beginning. But Paula hadn't gone to the funeral. She didn't know where the grave was. She repeated the story I'd heard from her before, the same details, in the same order. That after receiving the phone call, she had gone to Astra Square in Doki, to the apartment there, bounding up the stairs to the second floor. That it had been true what she'd been told. They had broken down the bedroom door searching for her. That she had seen her stretched out on the bed, beautiful, as though peacefully asleep, the blanket laid over her smooth and neat. She'd made up her mind, and there was no going back, you see. Such determination. She wasn't playing around. Then Paula had lost her mind, swearing at the sleeping woman and beating her hands against the wall. She had left the apartment and hadn't gone to the funeral. So that's the start of this biography. Wow. That's intense. It is. sounds really good, though. It's beautifully written. That it looks it looks like that. That is what kind of really pulled me in is that it seems like it's 
it's it's got the biography that does sound fascinating, but the way that it's written suggests a lot of uh, interplay. Again, like it says, between the subject and the and the author uh, herself. So yeah. and Transit does so much great work. So I'm oh, glad man. that you mentioned them as well. That sounds really good. Well, speaking of presses that do great works, people didn't really think I was going to go through an entire list without mentioning NYRB Classics, did they? <laughs> um, like I said, anything they come out with, of course, is already jumping to the top of my list. But I was listening to the Beyond the Zero podcast the other day, and he had on Max Lawton, who's just a wonderful mm-hmm. translator that we a lot of us probably know and interact with. And he was talking about the book Blue Lard by Vladimir Sorokin that's coming out at the end of February, February 27th. And this is going to be a big year for both Max Lawton and Vladimir Sorokin. Yeah. I mean, there's... At After least... several already, like Dalkey's put out a few yeah. over the last few years. Yeah, he's yeah. just surging into the... Because there's another one, is it Red Pyramid, I think, that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the same day, Blue Lard and Red Pyramid, I think. From Don't I quote think me so. on that, but very close together. But anyway, yeah, they were talking about this one in particular. And uh, Max Lawton said, he called it Sorokin's Gravity's Rainbow and said he thought it was his best work. So that immediately got my attention because I've not read anything by him and I've been kind of wondering when and how to jump in. I'm not saying I'll necessarily jump in with his, you know, magnum opus, but I might. And I'll just read a quick, I mean, this sounds crazy. It says, Blue Lard is the most iconic and iconoclastic Russian novel of the last 40 years. Thanks in part to its depiction of Stalin and Khrushchev having sex, which inspired a Putinist youth group to throw shredded copies of the author's books into an enormous toilet erected in front of Moscow's Bolshoi Theater. Blue Lard is the novel that tore Sorokin out of the Moscow conceptualist underground and into the headlines. So it just sounds crazy. It says it begins in a futuristic laboratory where scientists speak in a Joycean dialect of mixed Russian with Chinese and work to clone famous Russian writers who are then made to produce texts in the styles of their forebears. So it just sounds like it's kind of off the charts crazy. But anytime you start talking about these books that are just like one of the most powerful books to come out of a country in the last few decades, like that's like catnip to me. So that mixed with hearing, you know, the translator just raving about how good it was, you know, really got me excited about it. So yeah, that one, it sounds like it's going to be a lot, but it sounds also very fascinating. Nice. Well, I'm probably not going to surprise people with this one either. And it is later on in the year. It comes out in October. Oh, see, so we're not it's... only in the first three months. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, I am hoping, and I will drive to their warehouse if I need to, <laughs> to, to get an early copy of this. But it's Mark Haber's new novel, Lesser Ruins. Yes. Comes out in October. And I, I just, I, I really can't wait. I don't have a whole lot of information about it yet. I mean, he's talked a little bit about it, and uh, it it sounds just right. It sounds just right. Whenever it shows up, uh, I'll, uh, everything else is going aside. Yeah, um, I didn't I, put I it on my list. Wait. I was, I knew you would, or at least I assumed you would. So that's why I didn't put it on my list. But yeah, absolutely, I cannot wait for that one. It's like we've said. Yeah, anything he publishes is automatically jumping to the top of the TBR. Yeah. I I am excited about that. Yeah, and, and he's got you know he's got some stuff coming in twenty twenty five too. So yeah, oh, exciting. I know. I really it wish is. it were uh, like I'm. I'm like you know, pe- people are some people have read this already, Mark. Yeah, 
Why, why not me? I have it. That's funny. He's just trying to give you time to reread his other books. This is your year of rereading, oh, okay. you said. So there I think go. that's his whole go. strategy there. <laughs> no, that, that'll work then. I'll, yeah. I'll take the time. I am excited yeah. for whenever it shows up, even if it is October, yeah, um, before sure. I get a chance to read it. It just is... is I, I really... I just drive with his writing style, with his themes, mm-hmm. um, and I just fall into those books. So I'm excited. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one for sure. All right. Rapid fire for a second. Sure. Let's do it. Do you want me to go or you? Uh, why don't you go ahead? Okay. I'm looking for a publishing date for one of mine. All right. Um, yeah, that's the problem. I don't know how organized I am on some of these. Um, cause, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I may not have publishing dates on some of them, actually. So... The Unforgivable by Christina Campo, coming out from MYRB Classics, translated by Alex Andreas. I believe it's in mm-hmm. January or February. I don't know if you have the date. I apologize. I've, I've got the I've got the final copy. They sent it to me, so it's soon. I don't yeah, know. I think it's, it's January. Yep. Speaking of biographies, there is a biography of Carson McCullers coming out in February mm-hmm. that I saw. It says the first major biography in more than twenty years about her by Mary V. Dearborn. And like I said, that comes out February twenty seventh. There's a book called Love Novel from Biblioasis that's coming out March 5th that jumped to the top of my list when I saw it. Um, is that a Croatia? I won't mm-hmm. touch on it because we're doing rapid fire, but that one sounds great to me as well. Archipelago in March has a book called The Brush by Eliana hernandez Pechon, translated by Robin Myers, who's one of my very favorite translators. So anytime I see her name attached to any project, you know that one automatically goes high on my list as well. Um, April 23rd, American Abductions by Mauro Javier Cardenas, who we read mm, a couple that. years ago. Yeah, that one sounds good. And then um, I'm trying to pick out of my long list here. I mean, Knife coming out in April by Solomon Rushdie, which is supposed to be an account of that mm. brutal attack that he underwent. Sounds wonderful. Or not wonderful, but fascinating. And just to get his insights into that. Parade by Rachel Cusk. I love anything that she does. That comes out in June. And I will touch on one more. How about Glyph by Ali Smith coming out in September? Hmm. And that was yeah. me cutting down my list, you know, in half at least, because there's a bunch of other good stuff coming out in the later, latter part of the year that we'll probably talk about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the good thing is we've got the whole year to keep on bringing up these books or and others. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be pretty fast too. You mentioned a few of them that I had, which is great. And I'd also point folks to one bright book, their podcast they yeah. did with John Williams yes. about the, their most anticipated books. Several of theirs would have been on my list had they not touched on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them that I'm just going to bring up anyway is Rhine journey by Anne Schley. That's coming out from McNally editions. It's an, it's a reprint of, you know, a reissue of a, of a, an old Booker finalist mm-hmm. book from the early eighties, but this looks fantastic. And boy, their again, their production design on, on their copy looks beautiful. Oh, I just can't wait to have know. that physical book in my hand. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I got to bring it up. It's not until December, but uh, Brandon Sanderson's uh, book five of the stormlight archive, kind of the end book of this little arc here that he started a decade ago. Little uh, arc of what five thousand pages, probably well more than that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's called Wind and Truth. It comes out in December. I'm of course excited for that. Nice. Um, one of the prompts on my wife's reading challenge for the library is read a book with a map, and I thought, oh, I can just do no. I don't know if I'll be able to finish that in December. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be big. That's true. <laughs> so I got to figure out another one to read with a map in it and then just save that one for, you know, the cream on top at the end of the year. And if, I, if it goes into January, that's great. Um, but one that I'll bring up at the end is a series that I'm going to br- probably bring up plenty more over the year. It is, it's a series called the unselected journals of Emma M. Lyon mm. by Beth Brower. I posted about this on Instagram because I, over the holidays, I read book one and then I read book two and then I went out and bought all of them um, up to book seven and volume eight comes out sometime this year. I don't know when, but I'm already Mm -hmm. anticipating it already. One of the most anticipated titles of the year, even though I have not read, you know, volumes three through seven yet. (laughs) They're small. They're like little, they are novella size, essentially a hundred and fifty to maybe 250 pages it looks like most of them are and their diaries that are so fun so well written and yet still filled with heart and and intrigue and depth and the 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 characters are just alive like i i was i was surprised uh, yeah. she is a local author and a patron came into the library and said hey you need to have these books you got to you got to have these books and so they finally bought them for patrons and then that patron you need to read these books you know <laughs> and started pushing them off onto people well of course people are going to check out book 1 right you know they're excited to read book 1 but how many of them are going to return again and again to pick up books 2 3 4 5 6 7 if they're not loving it so and she hooks them mm. and then my wife is reading book 1 cuz she's finally like well i better figure out what's going on here and would read me passages and i'm like have to read these and yeah i am hooked too i am i am in um just absolutely loved them and so hopefully other people will discover them she has a sub stack where it's 50 dollars a year but you can um get her newsletter and once a month you get the the gazette like the local gazette from saint crispin's this place in london oh cool and it has like little short stories or tidbits about some of the characters and i'm like well (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Take, take, take my, my money. money. Yeah. But it is kind of fun to see someone doing it this way where it, you know, she's got a fan base for sure already. Like I've been surprised at how many, as I like said, Hey, I'm loving these books. A lot of people are like, Oh, we are so thrilled when anyone discovers them and they're, they're just fun, but I'm, it's just fun to kind of be a part of the, as it's going on, mm-hmm. like to be able to get these I haven't paid for them yet because I'm not caught up and I don't want to be spoiled on, on things, you know, that I might read in the newspaper. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know my wife and I are going to get that um, when we're, when we're ready for it so that we can just keep participating and, and seeing this story unfold because it is, it is really touching. It's not sentimental, but it's super witty and clever. And I mean, it's like, it's, it's Jane Austen-y in a way. Hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, very, very, again, very well written. I, I think just, uh, just a delight through and through. Very, very clever and funny. Very cool. For anybody yeah. who's looking for a way to brighten up the winter, these are definitely good ones. I've seen you, you know, mention them and you sent, them, sent a picture to me. And yeah, yeah, they're definitely on my radar. They sound wonderful. So I'm glad you got a chance to talk about those. Those sound fun. Yeah, she's, I mean, I, I keep bringing up the library. She's going to come to our library in April and Ooh. I'm like, well, I'll be You're there. <laughs> front row with your autograph. Yeah, that's cool. Ready. <laughs> Actually, I bought them because she's local. I bought books, books two through seven that I got were all signed already. Very cool. Um, book one, I bought 
because it wasn't available that day. And when I bought it uh, just to have it, it wasn't signed. So I'll have that one. And I'll, I'll be, I'll probably be, I'll probably be the only man in the audience that just happens to me right. with these kinds of things, but yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it absolutely. Just, it just means that she'll for sure sign my book. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I love it. That sounds great. Something else to look forward to in 2024. There we are. <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, it's so fun. And as, as per usual, very excited to go out today and um, do some reading. Yeah. With llamas. Um, with llamas. Yes. I got to go put on some pajamas to go to the library. <laughs> I've got to go uh, put on my hockey jersey because I'm going to yeah. Avalanche Games. So it sounds like we both have fun Saturday plans, but something tells me books will factor in somewhere. Books will certainly show up. I, I bet that we both retire with with a book. I at, think at some point. Yep. Safe bet. And I, I hope listeners, I hope you're starting out a, a, a wonderful uh, 2024 and that, you know, we, we, we love doing these episodes. We love hearing from you. We love the excitement. You know, it really does help me through harder times to just yeah. have, you know, books in general, but to have people to share them with as well. It is, it is, it has been a wonderful part of the last few years. So as usual, Paul, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to another year. Me too. Thanks, Trevor. Looking forward to it. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can find Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month, helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a patron at patreon.com mooks. Until next time.